Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy and my director of football, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. I sure love to direct football. You should be a director of football in, in many ways. Uh, um, I mean, I definitely... I, I, I went through a phase of thinking that, and then I thought, no, come on, you're dramatically underplaying how complex it is. But then with all of these, you know, Amazon documentaries, when you really see what's going on at a football club, yes, some random internet dickhead could probably do a better job than the majority of director of football. So speaking of which, <laughs> uh, what was your reaction when you heard that Spurs were going to be doing a documentary Just with sort Amazon? Of, um abject horror um mm. i guess it's comical because of like you know it, it's it's perfect comedy timing <laughs> because we've had several brilliant season where there's been so much to celebrate so much to document imagine if we'd have uh documented the final season at white Hart lane what a brilliant season that was what brilliant football we played um what a story that is what a finale what a final episode as it were that would have been um to commemorate that wonderful stadium um but of course we're not doing that season we're doing the one where everything falls apart I mean, even last season, it wasn't the perfect season by any stretch, but, but there the would have been such there. a great story with the yeah. Champions League run uh, and moving into the new stadium. It would have been amazing. But yeah, like you say, <laughs> things don't always work out well with Spurs. And we've chosen to do the season where we look like we might sack our manager. <laughs> <laughs> Tottenham fucking Hotspur. I, do you know what? I'm genuinely dreading it. Um from so many, I mean, in terms of memes, there's going to be so many memes. But also, I don't want to know about the inner workings of the club at the moment. Not right now. Because it feels like the inner workings of the club are in some ways working against each other and there and there are problems there. And it feels like things are a little bit of a mess. I mean, maybe it'll clear up the fact, maybe it's not as bad as it looks. And so it'll clear up some issues and we'll go away feeling competent that we're in safe hands but i'm not convinced that that will be the case yeah i don't think it's a great move but you can see why they're doing it it's it kind of builds spurs as a global brand it gets us seen by people in different countries across the world and it it builds uh marketing i don't know why am i even talking about this is depressing (laughs) do you remember Uh, when pochino 
put a book out and it did Jeez. horrific harm to the club, <laughs> both like um, insides and outsides and, and how much we all um, despise the existence of that book. And it wasn't even a great book to read after the fact. And now we're getting uh, like he, he can't like ask for bits. To, I mean, maybe Levy will try his best to say, no, you've got to remove this bit. You've got to remove this bit and all of that. Um, but like what people say in front of the camera will actually be what they said in front of the camera and there'll be very little glossing over that yeah exactly and the thing with the book was it came out at such a good time in Spurs' modern history (laughs) that we kind of just went yeah i guess why not why not if that book had come out this season can you imagine the uproar jesus i mean it was not a good book yeah yeah i think you're right yeah the book was a mess in hindsight (laughs) I mean, I didn't enjoy it at the time, to be honest. I thought it was a mess generally, and the way it's written was not appealing to me. But, um, like, the content is often a mess as well. Um, so we, we've had lots of conversations recently, and it's been we've been very down on Spurs because things haven't been going well. Uh, were there any reasons to be cheerful post-Watford? <laughs> I did not hate that game. And, like, um, I know people don't want to hear this, like, about their club. They don't want, like, you know, small team mentality or whatever. But <laughs> I didn't hate our draw at home to the team in last place (laughs) not just the team in last place but the team bottom of the form table as well oh beautiful beautiful um without their best player i no i I think their best player is de la feo so um retract that he he, um, he came off the bench (laughs) he did come off the bench (laughs) because Wilbert was injured a minute 30 into the game anyway um I thought we tried hard and I thought we pushed Watford back into their own defensive third. I thought we controlled the game and it wasn't great football and we just had to spam cross after cross after cross until it eventually broke them down for an equaliser and we did have to score an equaliser because of Micholi defending early on in the match. But <laughs> look, at least we tried. We tried. We definitely tried. Um, why did we have to spam cross after cross into the box? Uh, because we didn't play Ericsson, because maybe Ericsson can't be played at the moment, and we don't have an alternative for him because Lamella is good but not great, and Lacelso is injured and new. Okay, I mean you're, you're sort of partway justifying. I think. I think. I think the the non-selection of Lamella was a problem. Did you have any? Um sort of theories as to why we moved to the back three for this uh well we ended again again i'm gonna sound like i'm absolutely scraping the barrel but like i do think moving to a back three did us some good against brighton um i do think that there are like um creative reasons so like when you can't be creative with your personnel you have to rely on systemic creativity and i do think the back three helps that because it allows for God's sake, it allows Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen, who are creative players despite being centre-backs, to push on and, and move the ball smartly in those areas. Um, so I, I do think the back three makes a lot of sense for us. I do think it did us a lot of good in the first half, which then allowed us to, once we'd pushed Watford back, then switch to a back four, bring on another attacker and, and work things that way. I, I think tactically, again, like with Brighton, a game that we lost terrifically, um, I, I think Pochino is making smart tactical decisions and, and yet we can be upset about fullback selection and we can say, well, why don't you just play Ericsson anyway and all those sort of things. But mainly, mainly I just think let Pochino try things out until he makes something works and maybe sort of something vaguely worked at the weekend. So I, I disagree with, with quite a lot of, sure. of your thoughts there. And, and I'll tell you, so the main thing is, 
So he abandoned the back three at half time. Um, we, we can agree on that. That, that he, he decided that uh, his best chance of getting back into this game was to bring on Son Heung Min, which, yeah, hard to argue with that. Um, my, my main issue was that essentially what you said, that our most creative weapons were our wing backs and our outside centre backs. And the the system was uh, set. We were set up in such a way to allow those players to get into crossing areas and to throw balls into the box from deep. Problem with that is Watford were quite happy to clear kick and head away balls that were coming into the box. Yeah, and it's quite desperate, isn't it? When when you're relying <laughs> on players like Vertonghen and Rose on the left and uh, Aurier and Alderweireld on the right, who yes, you know Alderweireld and Vertonghen in particular are very good passers. Um, but they're very good passes for centre-backs. They're not very good passes for <laughs> yeah. creative midfielders. And I think Danny Rose over the last two years has shown that he's an ineffective user of the ball in the final third. And I think Aurier is okay at crossing the ball, but I'm generally against crossing as a primary method of scoring a goal. So I, I, I found it frustrating to see that that was our initial approach in a home match against a very poor team. And particularly leaving out Ndombele, who's one of our more creative midfielders. So I, I thought... Um, if you're going to play the system, fine, but definitely play Ndombele in the middle of midfield and definitely play Lamella as well, because if, you know, then at least you've got a, a, another way of creating. You're not solely reliant on lumping the ball into the box or, or trying something. Um, so I was a little confused by the, the team selection. And I thought Pochettino corrected that half time and made the right decision to take off a centre back. I thought it was a bit harsh on Sanchez, who was roughly fine. Um, and perhaps it might have been an idea to take off for Tongan and, and try and build Sanchez's form and confidence a little um he did the right thing in, in correcting the formation but again like why not bring on the at that point or Ndombele at that point right when I mean, he brought on Son and it made a difference um but he could have done more I, th- I thought and perhaps we would have ended up turning the result around I don't know maybe I'm being overly critical do you disagree um I mean yeah I, mean, I, I stand by the things that I said um but I, I think both interpretations are, are valid I, I still more importantly generally maintain a I there was there was positivity despite how ridiculous that sounds mm. and and a slight hint of hope that we're heading in the right direction and even if we weren't I would still want to stick with the manager that we have now. We weren't creative though, were we? We we um we didn't we you're right that we controlled the game and I think that's a I think it's very fair to say that we had um a strong midfield performance, but not a creative midfield performance. Sure, but but uh, the sort of creativity is like the cherry on top, right? Mm. And that, and when we were at our best, we we've had that, and, and yes, we've missed it. We haven't had it, but but what has been our major issue this season is missing that fundamental flaw underneath of that that safety and that control. Mm. And just to see that back is is good enough for me at the yeah. moment. Yeah, that's fair. That, that I mean, I, I can I can certainly get on board with that point of view. Um, and we spoke recently as well about how set pieces could be used to our advantage. Yep. We had so many in this game and didn't make any count, and that was a source of frustration to me. I kind of feel like if they put a little bit of time in on the training ground and set pieces, it could go a long way. Do you, do you still feel that way? Yes, but it's difficult now that we're getting two games. Like you probably should have used the international break a little. Yeah. Regard, but um, yeah, I don't know. We we do see hints of them here and there we called for them on the previous episodes or maybe the one before that as you said and then i think there were some in the following game which i now can't remember which one that was mm. um yeah i don't know uh, it's just a matter of priorities uh, priorities yeah if we need to if if the team need to relearn the fundamentals um then perhaps that needs to be the focus of every single training session and fair enough 
Yeah, and I, su- I suppose if that was the case, that that it was about you know becoming a solid team again, becoming yeah. difficult to break down, then you could say that was a success. It's a low bar, though, isn't it? It's a very low bar, and we did get counterattacked quite poorly, so it's not like we absolutely mastered those elements again. Mm. So Watford's goal was disappointing, um, disappointing in a number of in a number of ways, but particularly uh, sort of defending at either post. Really, I mean, that's a constant um, issue this season. Our, our back post defending. Uh, Decore shows a very intelligent timing of run, and he's you know he's incredibly quick when he gets going, gets into his stride. So difficult to keep up with, like solely from the point that he's difficult to keep up with. It's it's hard to defend against him, but you've got to do better. And Danny Rose has got to do better with his initial positioning. He just let the ball go over his head, got caught under it, and it's it's so simple. That's the frustration there. Well, yeah, I mean, we know that he's better than that. Even if he's like lost a yard of pace, that's definitely an, an error that has been below him for years. Um, I would like to defend both Alderweire and Vertonghen a little bit. Um, I think they're coming under more criticism than they're deserving. Um, I I wouldn't trade them out for. Foyth and Sanchez and, and do drastic stuff like that. I think they're being exposed by their team. I think Vertonghen's getting a little older, um, but you know, I, I I'm not massively disappointed in, in them individually. Mm. And it was interesting because there were lots of rumours in the week leading up to the game that Pochettino was going to start this defensive revolution and build the team around <laughs> Foyth and Sanchez and Sessegnon and then he kind of rolled out the same back four plus Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. Were you were you surprised when the lineup came through? No, because I didn't believe that rumor for a second. I I, okay. I called it out on on Twitter because I thought right, there was okay. no chance. <laughs> we, so so you you is this the back four you'd have chosen? Oh, sorry, it was a back five. But would you have chosen those four defenders? Uh, I would have chosen those three centre backs, and mm. um, I would probably have made different selections at wing back. Mm. I mean, Walker Peters can have very little hope now if he's after all of Aurier's recent mistakes. If he's still the preferred right wing back, Walker Peters has got no hope. Yeah, surely it's over. It's, it's it's done now. It's done. He's he's got to move on in January for his own career. Yeah, surely. Um, and this was a strange week for Pochettino because. As we both pointed out on Twitter, and I swear to God, I didn't see your tweet. I felt really bad about tweeting it. it then... was, you didn't just copy the idea, Chris. You copied the exact choice of screenshots yeah. as well. Was it both screenshots? It was both exact. I'm pretty no sure. No way. It was the exact two tweets. Same two well, tweets. I mean, Incredible. take that as take that as a compliment that um that I uh, yeah obviously <laughs> I fully agree with your tweet. Uh, I didn't. I swear to God, I just tweeted it and then there's like, a function a built people... into the site, mate. If you want to like copy my ideas, there's this there's <laughs> these two arrows that like form a circle. <laughs> anyway, the point I'm making is that uh, Pochettino has contradicted himself in the past uh, month. So he made the point. Uh, some time ago in September that we would be using January to fix some of the problems in in the squad. And then he made the point in the lead up to the Watford game that if it were up to him, he's very happy with the squad and we wouldn't be signing anyone. And then post-Watford, he's basically said, I didn't contradict myself. Uh, <laughs> and he, in fact, he's, his comment was very confusing post-Watford because then he's then hinted that perhaps we will sign someone yeah. in January if we identify a need. What's he trying to do here, Nathan? Uh, maybe he's trying to sort of have his cake and eat it in his, that he's saying, well, he wants to be honest and he wants to send a message to the chairman, obviously, and say, well, Spurs do need to bring players in at the same time as saying that the squad is fine and he's happy with everyone and yay, let's all be together and celebrate the squad that we have. It's just like, you, it's one or the other. But this is dumb, right? Because it's all being played out in public and we can all see that he's directly contradicting 
quotes from just a matter of weeks ago. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're talking about that instead of how terrible the performances are. Maybe it's the Mourinho technique. Oh, right. He's a genius after all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Four-dimensional chess, that. mate. Yeah, no, you're right. I hadn't considered that. He's a, <laughs> he's a step ahead of me. Yeah. Um, He's being very strange at the moment. Yeah. Like, his body language is strange. The things he's saying in press conferences are strange. Um, I get it's really difficult. And, and I've, I've written about this um, this week. And I think he's going through some serious inner turmoil. And it can't be very nice of yeah, him man. to be overseeing this at the moment. It's it's difficult. Um, But he's got to own it, right? That's the only way of getting through this is for him to own it and, and to not deflect. Do you not feel that he like he he's trying to blame everyone else and not taking responsibility himself? Um, maybe he has failed to vocalize um, taking the blame himself. I don't know. I'd have to go back over every press conference, but I don't believe that he doesn't blame himself. That he doesn't doesn't attribute the correct amount of blame to himself, and he isn't critical of himself. And he probably doesn't. You know, he probably beats himself up at night about you know trying to fix these problems. I don't think that he is. Um, he probably is narcissistic, but I don't think he's narcissistic to the extent that he thinks that he is completely absolved of any, um, mm. you know, any criticism. I, I wouldn't put that on him. I hope that's I hope that's the case. He even had a bit of a jibe at the fans uh, post Watford. <sighs> he, he he sort of said the atmosphere was difficult, and you know when you play in those situations, when you've played in those situations before, you know that it's difficult when the atmosphere is that way. Um, I I I, I think it's always a bad move to go in on the fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't see yeah I, I don't see what he's trying to achieve with that comment AVB sort uh, of did similar stuff on his way out didn't he yeah exactly exactly and he said it on his way out um, you're still totally potching yeah man yeah uh, is there anything at the moment that would change your mind uh, no like if, if things don't pick up eventually I, I don't think there's going to be like you know uh, or if we lose to Arsenal, we can't be, you know, anything like that. I think it's simply a matter of time. Things are bad. I accept and acknowledge that. Um, but that doesn't mean necessarily that it's right to bail on the manager. I think just give it time, give it resources. Um, yes, let's try to sing. Let's try to be positive in the, in the crowd, um, despite as annoying it is to be told that by your manager. Mm. Um, I don't, I can't, you know, unless Pochettino does something awful or whatever i i you know i would i would have to see what happens but i it requires me iman- imagining terrible things it's not a particular like a series of results or whatever it's just time so so unlike you i found the first half against watford quite upsetting um an, an, an upsetting and uh, unwatchable experience and i i kind of watched it thinking this is it he's just going through the motions here he's picked the same players that i expected him to pick nothing's happening he's picked lucas up front with kane um which is yeah no just no um and i i post-match was really really cross and i said to you i think i'm one more <laughs> feet away from being potch out and I reflected on that. And actually, you know, our next games are Red Star and Liverpool. Anything can happen in the Red Star game because we'll probably rotate some players and, you know, I don't know. Whatever happens, happens. And, you know, if, if we lose to Liverpool, we're going to be one of many teams that lose against Liverpool. I think if we were humiliated against Liverpool... I think we might be humiliated against Liverpool, so bear that, that in could, mind for how that, are you going to finish that sentence. I, I think that could be the end of the road for Pochettino. I do. And I don't know how unhappy I would be were that to be the case. If, I think say, if they beat us four or five nil, I think that's too many, too many heavy and unnecessary uh, crushings. What if we win against Red Star and then get thrashed by Liverpool? 
So I think the problem is that we need to see some form of progress and that would be one step forward, two steps back. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So tell me why you're so scared about a Liverpool game. Liverpool are a really good team. We know that. We've lost them. We've played them a lot. We've we've pushed them. We've even beaten them in that time. Um, what I will say is that, like, yeah, if we revisit our, our issues, which are fundamental ones about controlling the game and creativity against teams once we've controlled the game, that is sort of quite separate from the game that we're likely to face against Liverpool. In, in that it's likely to be more open, more back and forth, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the moves in the club, the general our general form, that does undermine us and 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 leave us vulnerable. So I I don't think it's like um, we're playing really badly against Watford, therefore Liverpool will destroy us. Um, I uh, I'm certainly not optimistic about Liverpool, but there is an element. We like we got draws at the Etihad and the Emirates, despite the state that we're in, because those games are different tactically. Mm. Do, do you take any hope from the way that Man United played against Liverpool, where they? totally yes. restricted Liverpool's wing-backs and forced them to play through the middle. And as we know, Liverpool's midfield is um, incredibly hard-working and agile and skillful in shuttling possession, but not the most creative. That that That's a possibility for us with this current formation, right? I think so, yeah. The current formation and current form. So, so we, could, we could play a back three. We could play, say, Davies and, um, in, in my personal preference, Walker-Peters, but we Aurier, won't it? We could play Davies and Aurier high, and then we could play Son and Lucas potentially wide, or Lamella wide, as wide forwards, to try and um, restrict space even further and, and force their fullbacks back. And then, you know, a midfield of, say, Sissoko and either Winks or Ndombele, you might have enough to counter counteract Liverpool's midfield. There's there's some potential there. There is. So yeah, I I mean, I mean it's scary the idea of playing Liverpool, but there are ways to stop them, and we just have to hope that Pochettino is able to influence them. My my concern is that he's not been able to stop Liverpool very often before, and things have been on the up before. Now things are not looking so good. Yeah, it's a pretty um, nerve wracking week ahead of that game. Uh, the one good thing is that we've potentially got Lachelso back. Yeah, apparently he might make an appearance midweek, which would be great. We we need we need all of our players back and fit. The sooner we get him and Sessegnon back and available for selection, the better, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> but especially if we can get Sessegnon playing left back sooner rather than later, which I do think we need to do, mm. uh, especially when we're playing back three um, and the way Rose is playing at the moment. Um, and we also just need ability in midfield. So yeah. Speaking of ability in midfield, um, I was very very impressed with Harry Winks' performance for England in the international break. Uh, we we've seen Winks have some good games this season, but he's also coming for a lot of criticism. What did you make of the way he played for England, and how do you think it compares with how he plays for Spurs? 
I was so impressed with how he played for England. I thought he was exactly what England needed. I think he was essentially the difference between the two games. Um, I went back and sort of watched him over um, uh, late last week. Um, and I just thought, yeah, you know, Winks' ability to be tidy, to position himself well, to be clean with his passing, to be progressive with his passing at the right time, really is was perfect for England, exactly what England had been crying out for. And then uh, for Spurs, he the midfield was weak for the first 20 minutes and sort of okay for the rest. I I mean, I, I guess essentially is like I'm falling, we're, we're falling into the trap of viewing players as good or bad and reacting reality is that Winks is quite good but not great and we need a great midfielder and um, Winks should retire from club football to focus on his international career. <laughs> and what does that also tell you though about the structure within which he's playing? Well no I, I just think it, it, it's the entire context which is the, 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 the level of opposition he's playing against in his situation and the tactical requirements of the role he's in in each situation and yes his midfield partners as, w- as well. Um yeah, I just I I think that Pochettino puts such an incredibly high demand on his midfielders from the football that he wants to play that there's only so many midfielders in the world who can fulfil those roles, and you need two very specific players for two very specific roles. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Is it not simply that Winks is absolutely ideal for a possession-based team who is going to have? 60% plus possession and have two other midfielders who can do a lot of creating and breaking forward with the ball and he plays the kind of tidy Jorginho role where he does a lot of things that you wouldn't normally notice but when you look at data he looks good yeah yeah I guess so yeah that's true. I mean so various bits of data have come out this week which suggests that Winks's progressive passing and having the pass before the assist are really actually really good and, and notable um and he comes up in the same way that Jorginho does in terms of the numbers of, pa- of passes making and the areas in the, of the pitch in which he's making those. That's to me, that's a good sign. I think it's just Winks's vulnerability, and it's been the case since he broke into the team, is that he's not a natural. He's not a natural tracker of runs. He doesn't like it when he's turned the other way and he's forced to, to run back towards his own goal and make tackles. He's he's a player who likes to get on the ball and be busy in possession. And that is a defensive... We've discussed this before. That is a defensive strategy in and of itself because if you've got the ball, the opposition hasn't got the ball. And that can be used as a as a defensive element as, as well as an offensive weapon. And I think Winks is very capable. The problem is against teams like Liverpool where you're not going to have 60% possession, you're probably going to have 40% possession, maybe even 35% possession. You need someone who can get in the way of things, like Eric Dyer at his peak, like Victor Wanyama at his peak. And then you need someone like Moussa Dembele, who can step away from the opposition press and give you some give you some leeway and time to kind of collect your thoughts and reorganise. And Winks doesn't do either of those roles particularly well. Yeah, essentially. I mean, yeah, it's not like he he doesn't put up tackles, doesn't put up interceptions, doesn't pressure players, doesn't beat players, doesn't pick out a pass. It's just not at the high enough level and at the right or or at the right player profile to to be right for us. I um not right now because we're in dire need of any body we can possibly put him in fields, but longer term I think Winks probably wants to move away from Spurs to a club that suits his tactical profile better. Really interesting. And and what kind of club do you think would suit him? As a, one probably at a similar level to us. Um but yeah, a team who play a slower, less physical brand of football. So maybe basically. moving to Serie A? 
Oh, not necessarily abroad. I think there are there there are you know Premier League sides. I mean, it, probably he's not going to go to to a rival, but yeah, Serie A, literally any league, but a Premier League, Bundesliga, or League One. Oh, I mean, I would be really sad if Winks were to leave. I think, yeah, no, I, I, I think I, he's so yeah. capable. It'll be a, it's a shame because like you know he's a Tottenham lad and he is a good player and we like him and all of that stuff. I just think, or maybe I think as long as Pochettino is at the club, he's he's just not a tactical fit. So I I sort of feel the same about Sissoko to be honest. Sure, yeah, they're, they're both they're both quite niche midfielders and that's been the problem for the last year, hasn't it? They they both fulfil very specific needs. Um, neither of which <laughs> are ours. <laughs> well, well, partly that I think Winks's could be ours if we do develop this more possession-based game that I I hope we will and and can do if we you know now we've got Ndombele and and Celso. Um, I th- I think that could work. Um, yeah, I don't know. We we all of our midfielders basically are quite niche, <laughs> and and it's just getting the right blend of of skills. I think Ndombele is probably the one that's the most versatile and can do a bit of everything. Um, and, and maybe Lacelso can in time once he settles. He, he's played as an eight before. He's played as a ten before. He's got potential there. Um, it's just find, you know, it's finding the right three, isn't it? Or the right two if it's going to be a two. And that's that's not easy. So what about Harry Kane? Where do you stand on him at the moment? Because he's he's coming in for a lot of criticism about his performances. I've obviously defended him because I, I think there are reasons. But are you closer to thinking there's a problem with Kane? I am closer to thinking that there's a problem with Kane. Um, it's really hard to tell, like you said, because of the context that he's playing in and all of that stuff. But um, and, I'm, and and I wouldn't for a second say that he's like not a very good player still. Mm. Um, like just his quality of every part, you know, when he is involved, what he does is very good. Mm. Um, but I I'm I'm open minded to the idea that he has permanently lost a yard and that has a dramatic effect. If that knocks him down from one of the greatest in the world to just very good, um, then he's still worth having at Tottenham. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it might um, keep him at Tottenham. But I, I do think that um I do think that as a, as a fan base we're a little insecure about criticism of Harry Kane. Yeah. Oh I think that's true of me, to be honest. I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's it, well, it's it's not pleasant. It's not nice. It's not it, we no one wants to accept that. Of course we don't. Um you know, but again, again, he's he's if he's lost a yard of face, if his ankles have done him some damage, and his quick returns from injury and repeated injury um, has affected his quality, that doesn't mean he's not a, still a brilliant player that we can celebrate. Um, and if that's affecting his performances, then it's not his fault. Like, don't don't blame him. Um, I don't know, maybe he's responsible for him rushing back from injury, but you know he's certainly trying his hardest, and he's certainly a very good footballer. And, and rushing back early from injury comes from a good place. He wants to do oh, good things. So he's he's a puppy dog, and he loves Tottenham. He just he he's absolutely obsessed with Tottenham in a way that even you and I, who have a Spurs podcast, are not. He just he puts his heart on the line every second of every match. Um, and that has positives and negatives, but mm. mostly positives. Um, you know, bless him. Yeah, he's a wonderful person to have at the club. In terms of um, losing, having lost a yard of pace, the reassuring thing was the way he burst through for England and, and finished that chance. That was um, that was kind of Kane rolling back the years, I thought. He, he looked like he was really sharp in that moment, and that encouraged me quite a bit. 
That's absolutely true, but he has also slightly stepped towards more of a creator and less of a run-thrower for England as well as Spurs, which does suggest a more... And again, that goal is obviously saying that it's not a complete and total and permanent transformation, but it does suggest generally, as the whole performance, that that's where he's going in his career, sort of doing the Rooney thing. But is that not also contextual? Because he had Sterling Sterling and Rashford and Sancho alongside him so so of course like it makes sense for him to withdraw a little and play those wonderful through balls and and link play which he did so magnificently with that hat-trick of assists and Uh, there's there's an opportunity for us to implement a similar style with Son and you know potentially Lucas I'm not his biggest fan I think Pochettino's tried to do that hasn't he he's 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 put a quicker more nimble shoulder player up with Kane to in a sense to share his workload I don't think Pochettino's um made it work yet and I think that's, I don't know, partly personnel. It may well be that there's literally nothing wrong, like mm. tactically, fundamentally, with playing Lucas and Kane together. I wouldn't be surprised if that is a, a brilliant idea that works perfectly once the rest of the team is also working well. Oh, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Like, <laughs> I know I, you do. So I know, much. Like... <laughs> I hate that way more than the diamond. You know, I I think you might just think you do. I think that I think that if the diamond was composed comprised of very good players and Lucas and Kane up top, Ugh. you might really like the diamonds and I, everyone else might really like the diamonds. I want to see Lucas play wide for a run of games. If he's going to play, like I, I wouldn't pick Lucas to be honest, but if he's going to play, I want to see him play wide. Um, We've not really seen that yet. He's always been in the middle pretty much. It's odd. I'm intrigued to see uh, team selection for, for Red Star and, and most people will be listening to this after Red Star. Um, But I think we'll probably learn a lot from future intentions from the selections in that game. And, and actually to see whether he retains a back three because we've played what like about 90 minutes of a back three in the last couple of games which is something we hadn't seen for a while should we end it there Nath? uh yeah do we have any questions now forget nah fuck them <laughs> let's yeah. end it there <laughs> we, oh we did have one give me a second <laughs> let me find it it was good okay to end with we had uh, a comment on the extra inch facebook page from shane clayton um, who was very Pochin, and this this was quite heartwarming. He said, uh, Pochettino has not been entirely happy with his squad going back to the 16-17 season. This is clear reading his book. We haven't been able to rebuild or refresh as we may normally have, have done due to the new stadium. Poch has earned the patience to see through a full rebuild and refresh with what will undoubtedly now be a larger war chest. If we sack him, he's owed another 25 plus million, and United or Madrid will scoop him up faster than you can say mid-table regulars. Lastly, he's, proven, he's a proven resume of getting the most out of players that never re- again reach the heights under him after he departs. And we need f- young, fit players that have the energy and ambition to work within his system. Potch in. I like that from Shane. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's spot on. I that's agree. That's exactly how you feel, isn't it? Pretty much. Cool. Pretty much. Well, on that happy note, let's hope we smash Red Star. All right, cheers, Nate. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.ca and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really